welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley, and today I'm speaking with Chief Paul Kunkel of the Millbrae Police Department. Millbrae is a contract city for the sheriff's office that uh, Paul is also the captain at. So uh, interesting, and, and maybe in the future, Paul, I'd love to talk to you about uh, being the chief of a contract city in a, in a large county. But welcome, Paul Kunkel. Thank you. It's good to be here. And I'd love to get back to you on that one, too. Awesome. So uh, thanks for being on the show. You you wrote a book about taking promotional examinations, and I've read through most of the book. It's a quick read at about 100 pages, but your style is engaging and fun. It's different than a lot of other uh, promotional books I've read. I'd like to read a quick passage, if you don't mind about when a candidate is being asked to tell their one strong point and their one weakness. And um, the strong point you, you, you describe, but I think the, the weakness one um, was especially interesting, where you say, the weakness one is a bit trickier. You have to be honest and real, but never too over the top. No one wants to hear about how you drink too much, have a porn problem, have controlling your rage or anything like that. Conversely, if you say, quote, well, I tend to take on too much and can't say no, end quote, the people on the other side of the table are going to stab themselves in the eyes with their pencils and puke on their shoes, end quote. Classic. Uh, did you decide to let the humor come out or was it by design? I, it's a little of both. So um, I've been a cop for 25 years. Uh, the book is a cop simple guide to put uh, a cop civil guide for motion preparation. And I wrote this for anyone. I mean, if you're applying to be a field training officer or detective up to if you're, you know, trying to take the jump from captain to chief and having been a cop for 25 years, having led cops for a very long time, I know that dry kind of academic stuff isn't going to work with us. And a little bit of humor really nails home some of the important lessons and everyone I think gets used to this because everybody wants to do the okay for a weakness it's got to be something that's um either you know oh yeah I take on too much or they come up with something wild that's so over the top like wow you just disqualified yourself buddy and you don't even know it so what I'm looking for on that one is I want people to laugh a little bit because again I sat on the other side of the table where you get the same answer from 15 people that say oh I take on too much and can't say no I'm like oh my god I'm gonna kill myself please, someone give me some honesty. But there are good answers for this question. Um, like personally, I, and I tell people when I help prepare them, uh, I worked really hard to become a good cop. And I, because of that, I become a very competent cop. The problem is a lot of times that comes across as arrogance. And that's not the message I'm trying to send. So I've really had to work on humility and, you know, not taking the room over and not, you know, being too over the top of stuff. That's a good real thing to do. Um, I've seen people say, hey, I struggled with report writing, so I took a couple English classes or I started reading. Um, whatever it is, it, the, the negative you come up with has to be a dragon that you've slain, and it has to be a real one. Yeah. You can't make stuff up because everyone has to struggle, and it's nice to say, hey, I, I wasn't so good at this. I, boy, traffic really flummoxed me, and I really had to go through and learn it. Or, And, again, I, I think you turn that into a – the negative into a positive by saying how you slay the dragon, right, which right. leaves the board with a strong feeling about you. Like, okay, this guy is self-aware enough to understand that he's not perfect 
And when he identifies stuff, he deals with it. Right, right. No, I mean, it comes across in the book and you go beyond the usual promotional procedural with chapters that address psychological issues that the candidate may be facing, like why do it at all? And you talk about thinking ahead and mending fences um, is one of your chapters. And uh, you talk about mending fences with others that you may be at odds with, like a supervisor who may have a say in your promotion. And were these based on personal issues or situations that you encountered? Yeah, so the first 10 years of my career, I worked at a small police department, and I think this is more applicable, applicable, can't talk, applicable, sorry, I'm a deputy sheriff, um, to smaller agencies, more so than medium sized to larger ones. Because if you have beef with someone who has achieved rank before you, um, you know, they may be waiting to come out with a long knives for you. Mm-hmm. And if you can blunt that by going and kind of burying the hatchet beforehand, uh, it, it's really helpful. At a larger agency, it's kind of a numbers game sometimes with promotions. And if you have people who dislike you, they may not have a say. But, you know, if you were a small agency of 50 people, which, frankly, most of the agencies in the country are, you know, 70 officers or less, uh, if you've got someone at rank who's mad at you because of a traffic stop 20 years ago, um, it, it's it's good for you to get out in front of that and to do it and not relitigate it, not re-argue it, because you're not going to get anywhere with that. But to approach the person who you know is not a fan and be honest, like, hey, look, uh, I'm trying to promote or I'm thinking about promoting. I know we've had our differences in the past, but I really admire what you do and how you've been able to do it. And I like to come to you for help. And I like to put the past behind us. And I think that's a nice way to say it because you don't admit guilt. You're not arguing about it again. But it also tells the people, hey, I'm on board now and I've matured. And I'm not still mad at you for silly stuff. And I've seen this really hold people back, uh, even in my agency, that, you know, they, they won't do something they've been told to do or someone really is upset at them for something they did 15 years ago and they can't let it go. And once you blunt that, you really open the door because then, you know, when we're doing the roundtables with the lieutenants or the captains or you know, the executives on, hey, is this person ready to promote? They're not going to get to the one person who's loaded for bear on you because you've disarmed the person in advance. Yeah, no, that's that is is a great strategy that personally I've never thought of. And I just assumed that whatever, um, you know, bad blood was between us was going to be there regardless of what I said. But I mean, it's worth a shot. Yeah, and it's tough. And I mean, at the very at least you were trying. Now, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But the fact that you're out there trying to do it, I think, really shows a level of maturity. And it also shows that you're ready to step into a position of leadership in your organization. Yeah. And even if that person doesn't recognize that when he's complaining to his partner, oh, my gosh, so-and-so came to talk to me, and now he wants to be friends. Well, no, he's, he, does he want to be friends or does he want to get past the past and try to get some help and mm-hmm. advance his career as well? It, it puts that person who is – it really blunts the knife, I should, I guess is the best way to say it. And even if they – aren't ever going to like you. Hopefully they're not going to come at you as aggressively as they had planned to or they could have uh, when you're going to be discussed uh, at different meetings. Right. So in your book, you like you said, you talk about you know promoting for FTO or supervisor all the way up to captain and chief positions. Right now we're at a really weird time in policing where it looks like it's going to be hard to recruit and thinking about taking upper management jobs, say from 
captain to chief's position, what what are what are people rank and file people thinking about? Do, do people want to still promote right now? I'm not sure, but when I talk to folks, I'm like, look, everyone keeps saying this is the worst time in policing and everything's so bad. And I'm much more of an optimist. Uh, my thing is, yeah, this it, things aren't well right now, but you know what? This is the best time because we're the ones who are going to solve this. Mm-hmm. We need solid leadership now more than ever. I don't need the guy who just wants to get the rank for the extra money. I don't need the guy that, you know, who wants to bump up his retirement. I need someone who's going to step in and actually lead us out of this funk into the future. And those guys exist. And if we can talk to them and get them engaged, like, no, 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 this is, it's not all the sky is falling. There's good stuff. Um, yeah, you you write about that in the book. You ask the the candidate reading your book to question themselves why why are you testing? What do you want to achieve out of this? And and that's exactly what you say. You know, you should have really um, altruistic motivation rather than just you know for the next step up or for the the bump in retirement or pay. And so many of us come from athletics or the military, and it, it, it really applies. And I find you can talk to those guys in those terms like, look, you know, hey, just because the scoreboard's showing you're losing doesn't mean you're not going to come back and win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's up to you. You know, you can go and say, oh, we're behind and give up and surrender, or you can actually step up and make a difference. And I, I think that's one of the problems in our industry right now is we're not challenging our youth enough to actually lead. And we're scaring them to death with all of these, oh, my gosh, all this bad stuff's going to happen if you do anything. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, you know, for the most part, the law's with us. For the most part, our policies are with us. We just have to do the right thing. And doing the right thing isn't that hard. So, yeah. you know, kind of spinning the current media narrative to, no, 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 this this is going to pass. Um, and everything's going to be – it's going to be different. But – if you step in and you become part of the leadership, maybe you can make it better. Maybe you can help with getting us to the next level. Sure. I, I think making it more of a challenge than more of, a, oh, how are you going to deal with this, man? I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. no, man, how are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do? How are we going to make it better? How right. do we make it work for the communities we serve so we keep their confidence? And, you know, for us, so, they're actually doing the job. So it doesn't become kind of this weird us versus them thing. Right. So so shifting a little bit to 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 someone taking a promotional, um, whether it's in-house or uh, hiring from outside raiders, uh, bringing people in from different departments, or maybe from the, the, I'm sorry? Outside raiders, that's a great term. Yeah, outside raiders, no, believe me, in, (laughs) in the big cities that I've sat on panels for in, um, San Francisco and New Orleans and uh, Baltimore and Columbus, Ohio and um, El Paso. Uh, a lot of us Raiders were from outside, and mm-hmm. um, you know we had to we had to have a briefing of what the um, general orders look like pertaining to the questions that we were asking and things along that line. Uh, yeah. How much? Should you try, how much should the candidate try to investigate the people on the hiring panels? And I know sometimes it's not revealed until you actually sit in front of the panel, but um, 
recent experience reveals that uh, non-law enforcement raiders uh, think differently and may oh, yeah. need a different language spoken to them. Um, how much should you try to investigate about these people? I don't think you investigate it. I think you prepare for it. Mm -hmm. um, because you're right. As we go on, it's nice to have people from the outside. And I've been with these outside raiders a lot. Uh, and you look at things wildly differently. But I'm a cop. And part of these outside raiders, too, now with hiring panels, are, like you said, they're getting professionals who are not in policing. So I'm a big fan of controlling what you can control. And I think you control you, your delivery, and your preparation. Um, you're going to have to do it a little bit better. So you can't talk cop talk. You can't right. speak our language. You have to speak like a human. And I talk about this in the book, but that's okay. Because when you achieve these high ranks, you're going to have to speak as a human anyway, because you're going to have to talk to the press. You're going to have to talk to electeds. You're going to have to talk to department heads. So I think you go in there prepared to talk to whoever is going to listen to you. And, you know, when you're applying to be a chief, sometimes you get the community groups, you get the city council folks, you get a variety of people that don't understand our codes. Um, and I think you have to be a little more articulate to get your point across. But it also shows that you can engage the public that you can adapt to different types of situations and that you're absolutely ready for this position of leadership. You know, you don't walk in all stuff, but, well, we uh, arrived in our vehicle. You know, you, you don't speak the typical, and, I, and we've all seen that guy on TV. Sure. He was probably a super smart, great cop, but he looks like a robot. Yeah. They're not going to promote that guy anymore. That, that era has passed. We need you to be able to talk to folks in a language they understand and, and articulately communicate what happened, what you're doing, and why, and all that other good stuff, using plain English as opposed to our police jargon, which I admittedly love. I love talking in code. I'm still a geek. Uh, right. And I probably always will be. You know, when we talk to our friends, we, uh, we still, I'm on the phone. We text, we text in code. It's hilarious. Like, oh, good Lord. Yeah. But yeah. When, you're, when you're doing an oral, you really want to show that, you know, it's not a contest on who's the best cop. It's a contest on who's the best fit for this position. Yeah. And part of the position. Yeah. And part of this is communicate. A huge part is communication. And you have to be able to communicate with everybody. So trying to find out who's on your board to tailor your answers to them. I don't think it's a solid plan. I think going in um, as prepared as you can with the ability to talk to everybody. So mm -hmm. if the DPW director's on there and the HR director and a couple of captains from other agencies, you can talk to all of them and all of them are picking up what you're putting down. Sure. No, not, I, not I, just the cops in the room. Yeah, for sure. And and the acronyms particularly disturbed me whenever, <laughs> uh, you know, especially you go into an agency you know nothing about and they're throwing out these acronyms and, uh, you know, you miss half of their answer because you're trying to figure out what these letters stand for. But I'm yeah. thinking, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, these questions for you, I, I think sometimes if there's a financial um person on the board, they're going to want to know that you are thinking about, you know, how much are these things going to cost? You're going to implement these, uh -huh. these new, you know, ideas, but how much or where are you going to get the money for them? So I think along those lines, I would pay attention to what's the background where where they might uh, want to hear something a little bit more. But I think you're you're absolutely right on in that you have to be an educator as well for, for non-cops. Clearly, no no cop talk, no acronyms, no codes, but also maybe, you know, explaining some of your thought process, because, 
you know, I think a lot of people have their own um, concept of what policing is without really knowing. Absolutely. And a lot of that comes from movies and TV and it's yeah. just not true. And I agree. I mean, it's and it depends on the rank, too. I mean, if you're applying to be a detective or a sergeant, you may not really need to have that fiscal piece down. But once you're applying for management executive roles, that better be part of your preparation. Sure. You better know your department's budget. You better know your division's budgets, that, you know, for lieutenant, captain and chief and kind of have an idea how grants run and where are we spending our money? Are we losing money anywhere? Do we are we growing? Are we tightening? and have some stuff to talk about about that. And that's more specific, I think, to the rank and position you're applying for um, when you're going to really have to worry about money and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so so it, talking about outside raiders again, and maybe even internally, um, I, I'm not sure what every agency does now uh, in regards to COVID uh, and testing and but I do know recently I sat on a chief's oral board and we do everything by Zoom and we've had multiple interviews yeah. on Zoom even before uh, COVID hit. And the the Zoom interviews really brought to light to me, uh, especially when the candidates uh, were unfamiliar with the process. Um, I have a story of uh, uh, one individual who had only dressed from the waist up. And he had a, <laughs> a nice shirt on, a nice tie on and um, jacket. And then uh, when he had to get up from the computer, we could see that he was wearing uh, sweatpants from, and white socks from the waist down. So um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you know about the Zoom interviews? What, what are your Zoom tips for? Uh, they're hard. Um, I like the Zoom stuff. Uh, I think that's one of the benefits of this whole COVID thing is I don't have to drive all over God's green earth for the 3,000 meetings I have to attend. And I admittedly have done the, you know, wear the top uniform top and then be in shorts. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> I have never stood up and burned myself. It's, it's an added stressor for the person taking the interview. Um, and it's difficult. I just did an interview. Uh, I was on a oral board for one of our local PDs for the position of captain. And, you know, you generally don't get in the room for an interview to be a captain unless you're qualified. So the guy's clearly qualified. But this goes to preparation. He got logged on to Zoom and kind of had a basic idea how it worked. It had never played with it, never practiced with it. And he's on his computer at home. And he logs on. And immediately in the background, there's this kind of purple and wacky uh, unicorn background with rainbows and stuff. And under his name, it's like Princess something or other. So clearly, he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. My daughter uses this computer. Um so, you know, he's, it takes him a few minutes to fix it, which isn't a super big deal, but it threw him. And, you know, when you're going in for an interview like that, it's going to be, you know, this is a big life-changing promotion for you if this works out. Sure. And before you even start, you get thrown. It's bad. Uh, yeah. Because then you've got to recover and how are you going to do this? And it's tough. Uh, we did another one where one of the Raiders, another one of our local chiefs, another outside guy, lost uh, connectivity. So we stopped mid-interview. Mid like, okay, um, well, we've lost Chief so-and-so. Uh, give us just, we'll just take a, a few-minute break, and we'll try to get him back up. Yeah. And again, not the end of the world, but it throws the person who's being interviewed. And it's tough because, you know, you're right in the middle of this great answer, and you're really going and going, oh, wait, wait, we lost one. And, you know, you don't want to keep going because, no, we got to wait. So the other guy, who's his vote's as important as everybody else, and we end up rating, gets on. 
it's difficult. So if you're going to do that, I would say, hey, let's really prepare in advance and play with this man. Sure. So when you get on, the name that's going to be there is yours. The background should be good. You know, you shouldn't have one of these funky backgrounds or because you can play with it. Like, oh, look, at, there's a beach in the background or the Golden Gate Bridge is a popular <laughs> one around here. How about we do something plain or don't have any stupid pictures in the back? You know, I don't need the picture of Kramer from Seinfeld in the back of the cigar and nothing distracting behind you. It should be nice and plain and clean. So we're concentrating on you. Not let's, oh my gosh, that's funny name. And it's funny because I say all this, but I was just at a, uh, a Zoom town hall and my daughter uses my computer at home as well. And I logged on and I'm talking and I looked out at my name and everyone's laughing at me because I'm like Super Ninja 3 or something. Like, okay, <laughs> let me change that right now. That's great. Hey, Chief, I didn't know you were a ninja. Like, well, my daughter <laughs> likes to play video games and it was hilarious. But like, yeah, unfortunately, I caught it as soon as I got on. But it's one of those yeah. things that, boy, you know, if you're going to go, to promote, I want you to be as well-prepared as possible. And if you're not super good with Zoom, practice. Have Zoom meetings with your friends so you you get used to the features of it and how to use it and how it's set up. So And set it up in advance so when you do it, you don't get surprised by these things that kind of throw you. And now suddenly you're backpedaling. Ah, man, I'm, you know, it's like, I, you know, the first kickoff and they right back for a touchdown. Already you're against the, Ah, boy, we're against it. We haven't even started yet. This is right. Terrible. You're down 14 points at intermission. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I think so, some preparation, work on the front end can cure that. Yeah. I don't think this is going away for a while. No, no. But I mean, I would say, especially for anyone who has no experience with Zoom or Teams or anything else, to get a good mic, a plug in mic. Uh, don't use the computer mic. Um, those can sound kind of tinny. Uh, your background, you talk about watching your background and the green screen. Um, yeah, I caution people about the green screen because sometimes what you're wearing makes you look like a ghost or you yes. in and out of the picture. <laughs> it's really crazy and spooky looking. And totally oh, it looks like you're at a rave and all the different lights. Uh, it's a mess. Yeah, it totally distracts, uh, you know, your raider. And, and the, you know, I, I, I thought that wearing the shirt and a tie would be fine. But once I saw that was a learning teachable moment when the guy had the sweatpants and I thought, okay, never again. I'm, I'm certainly not going to be that guy. Right. <laughs> so dressing all the way down to the shoes in case you have to get up, um, yeah. reserve time for your background noise. I think that's something that we don't take into account. You know, if, um, exactly. You know, your blow and go guy is working on your lawn and that's, you know, yeah, your dog's barking and your kids are going crazy. And it's, you know, yeah, people running. It can be disgusting. You. And sometimes that's stuff you can't control. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's, even if it means, hey, I need to go to work, sit in a cubicle or find a quiet room somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but that yeah. way you're not going to be disturbed and you're not going to. I totally agree that the noise background stuff and people interrupting or. Your kid's coming, Daddy, so-and-so's doing this. I'm like, oh, hey, honey, yeah. I'll get you later. It's going to be yeah. distracting. Yeah, for, for my students, I do a lot of Zooms for my students, and I will put Post-its notes with some key ideas that I have up around the computer, so I'll remember to hit them. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd, I'd invest too much time in writing scripts because unless they're super huge font, uh, it's going to be hard to follow, and it's going to be looking like you're distracted. Um, any any um, ideas? If you had to write a new chapter for your book, what would that be about right now? Right now, it'd be, it'd be about leading into the future and why it's so important to promote. 
Um, and I think everyone understands, everyone in the country feels this. Everyone understands kind of, you know, we went from being everyone's heroes and helping with COVID to, you know, in the course of a month uh, to not being any, <laughs> to uh, having the narrative kind of flipped on us and now we're under significant scrutiny. Mm. But I think the the next part would be to leading into this staying positive and doing the right thing. And it's okay to disagree with people. It's okay to be diplomatic and talk to folks. I mean, I'm starting to do these town halls now where we're talking about racial matters and equity and our policies and all this other stuff. And it'd be very easy to just go, no, this is how we do it. And no, let's hear people out. And again, this, this all goes to keeping the confidence of the community we serve. And to do that, you've got to be open to them. And it's not always pleasant. It's not always fun, but it's okay to disagree. As long as you're diplomatic and you mm-hmm. take it like a professional, you don't personally get angry. This isn't a personal attack on you and how to do that. But the importance of leading into the future, because we really need solid leadership now more than ever. And I'm telling you, these people exist in our organizations. We have a great bench of young and middle career guys who are going to be fantastic and who are going to get us through this. It's just a matter of engaging them. And you know, sometimes you got to get people out of their uh, shell of coolness. I mean, I remember when I was in narcotics and I was never going to leave. This is the greatest job I've ever had. Why would I ever leave this so much fun thing until people start saying, hey, you know, well, benefits are so coming up. But yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but, you know, bringing people in and actually recruiting them, not hoping that they promote. When you identify good up-and-comers in the organization, you actually take uh, some time to mentor them and cultivate them. So when the time comes, we don't just hope that, you know, these people to put in, we have them ready to go. So yeah, yep. leading into the future is where I would go from here. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. So we're wrapping up and how can people get a hold of you or where can they see you? Where can they find your book? So you can find my book on Amazon. It's a cop's simple guide for motion prep. It's $9.99 by design. It's short and sweet. The chapters are short. I think the longest chapter is like six pages. I want it to be, you can read a little bit of it and get back to it. Um, it's only available on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle or in paperback. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Paulie Kunkel, P-A-U-L-Y-K-U-N-K-E-L dot com. I'm sorry, that's not dot com. That's just at Paulie Kunkel. This is Twitter. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. If you uh, do give it a read on Amazon, I'd love a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts on stuff. But, again, short, sweet to the point. Having been a cop for a very long time, I think I understand how we think. And I think this is – not the classic 350 page. I need you to read all of this boring stuff and then listen to these CDs and take this class and do all sorts. This is just a quick, dirty read this book, and I think you're going to be a much better interview. And even if you're at a level of like a chief or captain, this is a good thing to get on your reading list for the people under you. If you want to get people better prepared to when they come in front of you to be more impressive and better prepared to step up to the next role, it's a great one to give to your young up and comers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you have a really great balance of being professional and serious when appropriate, but also to have an air of affability. And I think that's really important, especially today. So thank you so much. Uh, I agree. Thank you so much for your contribution uh, and what you're doing. And um, it's good to have leaders like you in the business. Thank you very much, and I appreciate what you're doing over there at Police One. Thanks. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, We're going to have some promotional 
Um, articles coming up on Police One. Look for those, uh, how to prepare for promotions. What do you think? What's going on near you? What question do you have about taking a promotional? Um, try to do our best to answer. And we'd love to hear you comment under the podcast or to write us at policingmatters at police1.com. Policingmatters at police1.com. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Take care.